This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Joanna Lovering. Joanna is an accomplished style coach, organizational psychologist, and speaker. Her credo is, you can move forward with your life goals just by changing what you wear. After a successful weight loss journey in 2011, Joanna founded Copper and Rise, a New York City-based style coaching service dedicated to personal and professional empowerment. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah, happy to have you. Can you get into a little bit about your journey? How did you found your company and how did you get to the 2019 you? Yeah, absolutely. Be happy to. And I mean, we're kicking off this episode with <laughs> with the fact that um, my origin story basically started with, unfortunately, my mom's untimely and very sudden passing. Um, in 2000, 2007, I was on a train headed home and I got a phone call that my mom was heading to the hospital. And by the way, it was Mother's Day on 2007. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, kind of my entire story starts with that because working through a lot of that uh, that hardship, that trauma, and the depression, about two years after she passed, I subsequently gained a lot of weight. Um, I was lucky that I didn't turn to drugs or alcohol, but I certainly turned to cake. <laughs> um, sugary carbs are my downfall. And I gained a lot of weight, and I it, it's kind of incredible that you can look in the mirror every day and not really see yourself. So what happened was, now it's 2009, and a friend of mine said kind of off the cuff, have you thought about your weight? And I actually had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, and that was the pulling the wool over my eyes, like, or taking it away, I guess, that um, started my weight loss journey. And it took a little bit over a year, but I lost 62 pounds, which I'm really proud of. But what happened during the course of that time was that I had a bit of body dysmorphia. I was losing the weight quickly and healthily, but quickly. And I actually um, didn't know what my body looked like. So I was wearing clothes that were much too big for me. And I really didn't realize it. So I, I'm not quite sure what triggered a, another aha moment. But one day I looked in the mirror and kind of realized that I was not wearing the right clothes for me. And that's when it all started, when I started to get interested in not just studying shape and fit of clothing, but also how clothing can affect your psyche and your frame of mind. 
So that's kind of where the interest started. Fast forward to 2010, I'm in graduate school. I have a ton of friends and myself. We're preparing for our first internship interviews. And I had a friend who said, I don't know what to wear on these interviews. Can you come shopping with me? Sure, fun, no problem. I did, and she looked great for her interview. The same friend then asked me, hey, my husband needs new glasses. Can you help him with that? You have great style. Sure, okay, fine. I go and I help the husband to find glasses. And over time, this kept happening over and over again that I was shopping with my friends. And I finally thought a few years later, hmm, I should be getting paid for this. And that's when Copper and Rise came about. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And what kind of situations do you work with uh, professionals and, you know, people in general that don't necessarily, you know, have an idea of dressing or work, some of the, uh, the scenarios that you've worked with? Sure. Well, one thing that's, that's interesting to me is over the years since I've had Copper and Rise, what I find with every single one of my clients is that there is some sort of change happening in their life that will incite a change in wardrobe. So for example, uh, I can think of a client of mine who is going back to work after maternity leave and she has a brand new body and doesn't know how to dress it. Or maybe you're going for that promotion or you just got divorced and you're going back out on the dating game and in New York City, that is not an easy thing to do. So everyone that I work with, whether they are uh, professionals, moms, dads, or just single people, I mean, I've run the gamut from ages from 25 to 65, men and women, and everything in between. Um, but no matter who the person is, there is some sort of inciting event that is that is making them want some sort of change, not just with their wardrobe, but actually a change in their life. And they know that the wardrobe change will catapult them forward. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that uh, change aspect. And I guess like the, the psychology of it, it's also kind of like a safety blanket. So you feel better about yourself going into this new scenario. Uh, it's absolutely true that what you wear, and there's actually studies on this, Roman, um, that what you wear actually does change your frame of mind because it can increase or decrease confidence. So there's, there's a lot of psychology behind how you present yourself to the world. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's important for, for different scenarios because, I mean, a lot of the times I just want to wear a t-shirt and jeans, but certain scenarios I can't show up to a specific networking event where everybody there is corporate or that kind of thing. So you have to kind of suit your element. You do. Or, I mean, listen, this is all about choices and it's actually a priorities question. We all have the choice every single day. Like when we look in our closet, according to what we want to wear that day, right? We all have the choice. It's really a priorities issue, which is what is my priority? Is my priority to, I'll just throw out some use cases here. Is my priority to find the love of my life? Okay, if that's the priority, then we have to dress in a way that will attract that person to me. Or 
on the opposite side of the scale, what is my priority? Is my priority today to relax and have a self-care day? Great. Then I'm going to dress in a way that's going to make me comfortable and able to feel like I am taking care of myself. So it's really uh, what we wear is actually a priorities issue and not so much, in my opinion, a skills issue. No, that makes sense. I guess like what what if it's important to you, if not, you, you can dress like, you know, a bum at times and that's fine in pajamas and a, and a t-shirt if, if that's, like you said, your priority or, or lack thereof. Right. I, well, I think that if you want to, if you want to wear sweatpants and a t-shirt, I do think that's okay. As long as you're making a very conscious choice that, that this, my priority today is to be comfortable. What, what people, what issues people run into and challenges that they have is when their priority does not match up with what's in their closet. And that's when I come in, right? So if your priority is to, I, I'll use the same use case, uh, that you wanna find the love of your life and your closet is full of workout clothes, hey, that's a really great way for you to feel more confident is to work out more, but I don't know if workout clothes and athleisure is going to attract that person towards you, you know, on every day. No, I agree. Um, I guess if, if you're into fitness and that's all you do, you still need to, you know, go out to a restaurant or, or a place where right. those fitness clothes don't necessarily apply. Right, exactly, exactly. So what motivates you to succeed? You know, um, <laughs> I have a lot of ways to answer this question. I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, but the, the main thing that motivates me is the smiles and the comments and the anecdotes that I get from my clients while we're working together and after we finish our work together. I am so... I would say positively triggered by success stories from my clients, that it literally is the gas that makes my car go. I know that I have the power to change lives. I know that I help people get unstuck and move forward with their life goals. And so when I actually see that happening or people relay that to me, I, I'm validated a thousand times over. Yeah, I agree. I think those kind of uh, client testimonials in any business, you know, validate what you're doing is the right thing and it's helping people. Yep. And, and I'm helping people. That's the thing. You know, I, when I started my career after college, I was in a marketing role at a beauty company and, you know, it was fun and it was great and I was glad I was a part of it but at the end of the day I was selling shampoo <laughs> and and sure you can you can make a stretch and say that shampoo makes people feel good but at the end of the day we were selling plastic bottles full of soap and that just was not hitting my intrinsic values well enough my goal in life my life's work is to help other people succeed and this is the way I'm doing it. 
No, that's great. I think leaving that kind of legacy and having something that's, you know, touching people and it's, you know, continue going in terms of people getting the job they want, meeting the, you know, people in their life they want. That's kind of right. a ongoing circle that never ending. Right. Exactly. I completely agree with you. So what's one thing that you may have struggled with in the past that you turned around and turned it into an asset that you utilize today? Well, um, that one is a pretty easy one for me to answer because growing up and into my professional career post-college, I was very ashamed of my gregariousness. I used to get a lot of feedback, whether it was with my family or uh, at work, especially in corporate, when I was working in corporate, I would get a lot of feedback on the volume of my voice, uh, how loud I laughed. I mean, it got very specific. Uh, and people would say that you don't have to be loud because everyone knows when you walk into the room. Now, I, I know that this isn't a video. I am a relatively tall woman. I have very bright red curly hair that I've always kept very long. And uh, I have larger features and I smile a lot. So yeah, people know when I walk into a room and growing up, all I wanted was to blend in. I, I hated the fact that I stuck out. All I wanted was to dye my hair black or brown. <laughs> and then I get into corporate America and I'm being told and getting very formal feedback that I'm too enthusiastic, too gregarious, making too much of a scene. And so now I, through years of hard work and thank God for my therapist, to be perfectly honest, uh, I have been able to turn that around and hone that energy into something productive and something that serves me. So yes, people still know when I walk into a room. Great. Then let me walk into a room and inspire them. You know, great. I have bright red hair and I am relatively curvy. I would be considered plus size. Great. Instead of being ashamed of that, why don't I have professional pictures taken of me so I can show the world that being my size with my hair that's not straight uh, it is a beautiful thing. So I've been able to take the things that I was honestly very ashamed of and turn them around and make them an asset for not just my professional development, but also personally. I now love those aspects about me and I'm proud of them. That's awesome. And I think the, the mindset's different. Going into like a corporate scene or scenario, people tend to want to blend in and a lot of people don't want to rock the boat or even like right. you with dressing. They don't want to dress too extreme or too, you know, slubbish, but something in the middle that kind of blends in. But in, in corporate, that, that's fine. But like when you founded your company or if you're an entrepreneur, that standing out and having that uh, differentiator is part of your company and part of who you are. Right, exactly. I mean, listen, I'm hustling out here, folks. 
I am a small business owner in New York City where there are small businesses left and right. So I need to stand out. You're absolutely right. I need to stand out. I need to get my name out there and I'm hustling. And so I think that this, this gregariousness, this uh, like big personality, as lots of people have said, that is actually helping me get out there and move my business forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you're outgoing, outspoken, um, people can hear you in any scenario. It's a lot different than if you're timid or trying to blend in and trying to promote or grow a company. I think it's got to be, I mean, maybe this is a separate issue or a separate conversation, Roman, but... Um, I often think about people who are um, more introverted and people who um, are not as comfortable in group settings as I am. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a whole other conversation about, gosh, I wonder how they do it. Because I feel, I'm the type of person, you might think I'm a freak, but I feel most comfortable when I'm on stage. I, I grew up as an actress my, my whole life. And so when I'm on stage, I actually, it's actually easier for me to speak to groups of people on stage than sometimes one-on-one. -on -one. So I just wonder what it's like for other people on the opposite side of the spectrum. But uh, I'd, be, I'd be curious to know anyway. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people are, are different in that sense. I have a friend that has to be out almost every night around people. That's just who he is. And, you know, he loves it while, you know, I'm all right with that, but I need my alone time sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I actually had a huge discovery this winter that, uh, so this was the first winter that I never had a full-time job to go into an office every day. And I was, uh, I'm, I'm focusing full-time on copper and rise and, uh, I got really depressed this winter and I could not figure out why. I mean, listen, it was cold in New York City and dreary many days. So I figured it was just a seasonal thing. But actually what I realized was that I was home too much. I was home alone. And I apologized to my, my dog, but because <laughs> I wasn't technically alone. But uh, people who are extroverted like me, we, we literally gain energy from being around other people. And being alone too much is actually, in a way, soul crushing. It's it's not so much about being social or antisocial. It's actually about where you get your energy from. And this winter, because I was alone so much, I was so low energy. Uh, and so recently I just joined a co-working space just so I could get out of my apartment and be around other human beings and it's really working for me yeah i agree i think that interaction regardless if you're a very social or not social person is important majority of the time i'm remote either working from home or you know a starbucks a dunkin whatever right. and going to networking events going to different like company launches different events like that just just being there like you said just kind of livens your mood and gives you a little jolt of energy it definitely does. And I'm so grateful that in New York and beyond New York, co-working spaces is, uh, is absolutely booming. Uh, and so there's a lot of choice out there for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, entrepreneur friendly and the digital nomad kind of 
work freelancing or right. companies that are fully remote or maybe you know moving from location to location it's it's ideal in terms of the economy in 2019 right exactly so what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience personal or professional sure well i think it's it, it applies to both personal and professional life and i'm still working on this now my advice is if it sounds scary that means you probably should do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm dealing with that right now. Listen, I am not a person that enjoys uncertainty or ambiguity. And a lot of times when something is scary to me, it's because I don't know what lies ahead. So launching this business was a huge decision for me. Super scary. Uh, I, there are days even now when I am petrified. And it's because of the uncertainty around whether I will be successful or not, or whether this will work or not. However, uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I made this decision to go off on my own. I know that it's no matter what, it's a huge learning experience, but I had to get over the fear first in order to do it. And so I really do think that if something sounds scary, barring, I want to say, barring like hurting yourself physically, I guess. Like, I gotta say I'm never gonna do a bungee jump. But um, if it sounds scary, that is actually, if, if you have the self-awareness to be able to step outside of the fear for just a moment and say to yourself, huh, this is scary to me. I am feeling fear. Then you can be curious about why you're feeling the fear and the reason why is probably because there is some sort of barrier or or belief or core belief that you have that you made up yourself to protect yourself. So the fear is probably some sort of, I don't know, fake defense mechanism that you're going to need to get through anyway. So why not do it now? Yeah, I agree that fear is the, the first barrier to entry and it's like a safety blanket because you're, like you said, afraid of the unknown and having that self-awareness, like you mentioned, which is a common theme in, you know, a lot of my interviews to push forward and kind of deal with the fear and in that fear state, like chaotic state is where most ideas, you know, come about and get refined anyway. Absolutely. I the example of my own fear is that I, the last full-time job I was in, I needed to leave for, unfortunately, for ethical reasons, but uh, I was petrified. I was petrified of not having a job because I had never quit a job without something lined up. And so all of these like self-confidence issues started to come into play. Will I ever be able to work again? I mean, this goes down into a deep, dark rabbit hole of I'm going to like lose my apartment and I don't know, live on the street or something insane. But um, I have anxiety around, or I had anxiety around leaving this job. And I was able to take a beat and look at that and think, huh, I think this is the universe telling me that I, that I was making decisions based out of fear. I took that job out of fear. And so I needed to step outside of my fear and move forward with my business. And that's kind of how the whole thing started with me going full time. 
Yeah, I agree. And in most scenarios, you can find a workaround to something, you know, worst case, you can get a roommate in a scenario, you can, you know, find a part time job or something. There's always something you can possibly do. Granted, there are like super extremes that everything is, you know, collapsing around you and like, you're close to giving up. And it's, you know, you have to for some reason, but majority of the time, if you sit down, you can figure out a solution to almost any problem. You know, it, it, I have a parallel story about that because it's so true that if you take the time, you will figure it out. So um, two years ago, I really went outside of my comfort zone and, and I promise this will relate. I really went outside of my comfort zone and I did a 13 day trek at altitude in Nepal. Nice. This was, yeah, this was a hiking, uh, a, a hiking trek, a, a trek doesn't even describe it well. It was by far, by far the most physically challenging thing I've ever done. And it was also really emotionally challenging as well. But the reason I bring it up is because there were moments when I wanted to give up. You guys, I went from 2,000 feet to 15,000 feet in nine days going up on a never-ending staircase. It, each day, we were going upstairs for six to eight hours. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to give up. I absolutely wanted to give up. And sure, we had a choice, right? The choice was to get helicoptered out. <laughs> Like, like the gods will come in and pick you up and take you out of the situation. But at the end of the day, and by the way, that costs a ton of money. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to get helicoptered out? Or are you just going to figure it out and keep going? Because you really don't have a choice. The next day is going to come. The next step, the next flight of steps, it's going to come anyway. So you, sure, you can give up, but that next day is going to come no matter what. So you might as well take a beat, take a breath. I took many breaks during this trek and I just kept going. And I'm really proud I did. It was an incredible experience that I will never do again, but it was an incredible experience. And it taught me that, you know what? We can do anything. You can do anything. You just have to surrender to the fact that it's hard, but you can still do it. It's just gonna be hard. Yeah, nothing I think worthwhile isn't hard or some kind of challenge. And it's funny because at that altitude, I went skydiving at 14,000 feet. So you literally were a thousand feet above that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the, the altitude sickness is real. <laughs> but that's a whole other podcast, Roman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Well, I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Absolutely. So my website is www.copperandrise. Copper, like the metal, but it's also the color of my hair. So meet copper and rise up in your life. I'm also uh, very active on Instagram. Find me at copper and rise or just email me, joanna at copperandrise.com. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you for having me, Roman.
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.